This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. One of the most charming places to fly fish for trout is the Driftless in southwest Wisconsin. Charming is not a word I'd ordinarily apply to the big rivers or mountain streams of the west in Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho, but it really fits the area called the Driftless. If you live in the upper Midwest, don't overlook this hallowed section of trout water. So Dave, what is it that gives these waters their charm? It took me a while to really appreciate the charm of the Driftless. I spent my early years fly fishing in Montana, in Colorado, Wyoming, Oregon, Idaho. And so it's a big shift from fishing the freestone rivers of the West to fishing the spring creeks of the Driftless. But I have to tell you that um, I became a better fly fisher person after I moved and started fishing the Driftless. I agree with you. Same thing for me. I've lived here uh, a decade now in the Chicago area, but before that I was uh, more than two decades in Montana. And I think when I came here, honestly, the first time I went to fish the Driftless, there was probably a little bit of, of arrogance, kind of like, well, I, you know, I learned to fly fish on these big rivers and, uh, you know, here's this little stream and uh, kind of like I, I know everything and boy, that thing, uh, that kicked my tail. <laughs> totally did. And, and for a while it's confusing. Yeah. And, uh, it really you don't is. have the runs. Um, it's the, the flow is different. Of course, in spring creeks, the flow is much more even. You don't have the, you know, the rivers the spring creeks don't blow out the watersheds are below the ground it's just a it's just different it really is so what is it that's so charming about the driftless the word is really bucolic if you've ever heard of that word wow you know your your vision of wisconsin of these rolling hills with you know cows and these charming barns i mean that is the driftless and it's just it's so beautiful and uh you have these timbered coolies in fact uh one of the uh favorite places that we fish is timber coolie it's the name of it's called timber coolie it's one of our favorite places to go it is gorgeous country isn't it uh we should mention that the word driftless uh, refers to uh uh, the fact that you can't drift your flies down these uh creeks absolutely baby (laughs) no (laughs) it's impossible oh goodness no actually driftless uh, refers to those areas which avoided glaciation that is uh, the glaciers went around this uh, part of the country and as a result the land never drifted or it never moved uh, due to that glaciation. So that's why you have these steep valleys, you've got these high hills and these uh, river bottom areas. And so the main artery through the Driftless obviously is the Mississippi River. So uh, the Driftless refers to, you know, both the east and the west side of the Mississippi. And so uh, the Driftless is also in southeastern Minnesota. And someday we'll do a podcast right. on that Northeastern as well. Iowa. Yeah, is, northeastern as well. Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And um, so these small spring creeks whose watershed is under the ground um there's actually a lot of them yeah, out there. There's just there really a lot are. of lot of little creeks out yep, there. That's right. So I think one of the first things and one reason we really love fishing the driftless is is how easy it is to wade. Yeah. And it is. um it's not like fighting the current of the Yellowstone or even the Madison. One of my 
images of, of fly fishing the Yellowstone is standing on those, you know, those rocks that you can hardly stand on that you've called grease cannonballs and, you know, fighting the current, just trying to stand while you, you know, hit the run and try to, you know, try to drift your fly. So you just don't have that in the, in, uh, uh, yeah, you're wiped out at the end of the day yeah, on the really Madison are. or Yellowstone, but yeah, the drift list that you really don't need to wade in, in water much deeper than your ankles. That's true. I do. I will say that you need to be more, um, tactical oh, in you how do. you yep. wade. Yep. And, um, obviously you need to have your knees muddy. You need to muddy up your knees, yep. crawl up to holes and, uh, the runs, there's not as many runs. And so when you find a good run, you need to really be careful not to disturb the fish in it. Yeah, that's right. Easy wading, a really easy access too. I mean, that area, the Wisconsin DNR has worked with the farmers and landowners in uh, that area to uh, provide access. And so there are gates you can walk through or walk, you know, over the, the fence and these nice... Uh, uh, Turnstiles, yeah, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's actually what surprised me most about when I first started fishing in the Driftless. Yeah, there's just a different relationship between the farmers or the landowners and the DNR. It's, it's not hostile, um, at least where we fish. And um, and the and it's I don't know if they pay the farmers to, to allow that, but it's just it's easy access, uh, which means there's more fly fishers there right. as well. But yeah. um, it's actually a really nice. Uh, difference from fishing in the west yeah it sure is i think too you should note that there are small smaller fish uh, than you may catch in some of the bigger western rivers but they're fighters i mean you're going to get a lot of eight to ten inch uh trout uh you know a lot of browns in the the driftless area but uh, a lot of eight to ten inchers uh there's some good hatches though i remember one evening where my son luke and i caught several on uh, size 18 parachute atoms uh the fish were really coming to the surface and we fished right until dark and then on the way out to our car there was this little bog or slough by the creek and we uh, listened to frogs in fact i i took a video and recorded them on my phone and every once in a while i just listened to that it just reminds me of that night we looked up at the stars and it was just such a gorgeous uh, setting to it fly is fish. so peaceful right late evening right as the light is starting to uh, dissipate i should mention that i have not had the 40 fish day like we've had out in Montana uh, or more. I mean, there have been days on the Yellowstone, you know, during a hopper uh, run there that it's, you know, it's, you're almost exhausted by the end of the day. I've not had one of those days in the Driftless and it's probably more because of my fishing than, you know, actually having one of those days, but I've had some really good days there. And so I think while you say that the fish tend to be smaller, I've heard that they're really big fish out there. I just have not hooked into them. Um, I've probably my biggest one I've caught has probably been 16 inches. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean, that's I, a big fish. I don't think I... That's rare. I haven't caught anything uh, any any larger than about 14, but they're they're all beautiful fish. Oh, they're, they're trophies, fish, yeah. and I, I I love catching the you know that that size. It's just a lot of fun. So let's talk about logistics. If you are planning to fish the Driftless, where do you go? How do you get there? Well, one of the areas that Dave and I have fished, as Dave mentioned, is Timber Cooley. And if you want to get there, uh, what you do if you're coming from the east, so from the Chicago area, Milwaukee area, 
you would head west on Interstate 90, and before you get to La Crosse, Wisconsin, you're almost across the, the state, before you get to La Crosse and you'd cross the Mississippi, uh, you're going to head south a little ways, and there's a little town called Coon Valley that's been our destination. Yeah, great little town. Yeah, it really is. I think the population's about 776 people, and it's uh, it really is picturesque. Uh, you know, there's that big Lutheran church that kind of towers over the the one end of town and you know in the back you've got those mountain valleys it's just gorgeous with this cemetery right in the church yeah yeah. it's just gorgeous yeah it really is that's uh 16 miles southeast of lacrosse just for uh uh, reference so we're talking about coon valley and uh, that gives you access to timber coulee and then uh, some uh, side streams and some other uh, little drainages or coolies that uh, we like to fish you can also go west of Madison. I think it's Highway 12 slash 18 that goes west and then go up north uh, to get there. You also go through a lot of other great uh, fishable country. Uh, I think the Green River is out there. Uh, I have fished that many times, but uh, we love going to Coon Valley. That's right. And by the way, again, when you hear something like Green River, uh, really ought to be the Green Creek. Uh, you don't expect a big river. It's a, it's a small yeah. stream. <laughs> the, yeah, it's really the Green Stream. Yes. That's really right. Is. Yes, the Green Stream. <laughs> well, what about fly shops, Dave? Well, the one that we go to uh, near Coon Valley is in Viroqua. It's called the Driftless Angler, and um, it's obviously southeast of La Crosse. It's about 14 miles southeast of Coon Valley. We use guides out of there. They're very helpful. They have a great website, and uh, it's just kind of the uh, the fly shop if you're going to fish the Driftless in that area. Yeah, it really is. Helpful people. They have a good selection of flies. Uh, anything that you need, you get there, and, and we have. We found them very helpful, and, and their guides are very knowledgeable. So that that's, that's the go-to place, and I, I would really encourage you, uh, listeners, if you're planning on a trip, is to support a fly shop like that. That's not in a, that's not in a big metropolis, and and I like to help out those uh, kind of those mom and pop type operations. So, what about lodging? Well, there are some affordable, comfortable cabins near Viroqua or uh, Coon Valley. All you have to do, you can do a Google search. Uh, I think the Driftless Angler, maybe on their website, gives some recommendations as well. But uh, it's a lot of fun to stay in uh, some of those cabins. and Bed and breakfasts. That's right. We try to do things that are fairly modest and inexpensive, but uh, uh, you'll often stay in some beautiful areas. Remember that time we got lost? (laughs) Yeah. That's right. So we ended up getting in late, and we're going to get up early and fish, and... Uh, and so we were trying to find this bed and breakfast that was... It was out of Viroqua a few miles. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so, you know, we Googled how to get there. And, you know, Google Maps was wrong. And yeah. uh, so we ended up in this dead-end road. But so we had no... We was dark. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And we saw this light of this farmhouse. So we went to ask uh, to see where we were. And, and instead of coming with a shotgun, which I thought he might, uh, you have these strange, uh, you know, older men coming to your door at... You 
know, 11 o'clock at night. But he wanted to chat. And, you know, I think if yeah, we had stayed longer, they would have offered something to eat. Oh, no, he uh, invited us in. And remember, he had that, he had shot a beautiful whitetail. They had this beautiful whitetail mount. And he said, here, why don't you come up the stairs? You know, so we went up the stairs into this loft and, and overlooked this uh, <laughs> this whitetail mount. And it was, it was cool. I don't remember him being very helpful either about where we were. Uh, <laughs> no, he did go all the way back either. to Revol- yeah. Morocco to, to figure out how to get back to the uh, bed and breakfast. Yeah, man. Great places, though, out it, there. Well, it really is. So it, it's easy. It's easy to find lodging, and it's not expensive. And so for food, um, you know, we are always are looking for the local place, that uh, the bar, um, some small restaurant. The other thing that we've done through the years is the supper clubs out there. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get on a Friday night or a Saturday night, you might have fish, you might have steak. Um, it's just really good food. We love uh, nothing better than a great meal after well, I'm uh, ready to go fly fishing again exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly, yeah. exactly. And you'll find a little bit more in Viroqua because it's a little bit uh, bigger town uh, Coon Valley though has some yeah uh, a couple places yeah a couple places in fact that, the place had really just opened food. up yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, young couple. Yep. Well, finally, uh, we want to talk about equipment. So you're heading out to the Driftless. Uh, what are you going to bring? Uh, what about a, your fly rod? Well, probably uh, I'd recommend uh, an eight foot four weight, something in that range. Uh, if if all you have is a nine foot five weight or nine foot six weight, that'll that'll work. But uh, this is the perfect size uh, streams to to use something a little lighter, like an eight. Foot uh, four weight and and even with uh, nymphs uh, that that works really well. I mean, th- these are small streams. We're we're talking about uh, uh, you know the the width of a of a couple of sidewalks yeah. or or at the most the width of one lane of traffic. So uh, you, you don't have to make very long casts. You know, I've often thought it would be nice to have a seven foot two weight. Yeah, you try that, but that, that's kind of a specialized rod. Right, and and that I'm would not, work great though yeah, for dry really, flies. For dry flies, yeah. it'd be perfect there but i don't have a seven foot two so um so i've never fished it but i have actually at my eight and a half five weight that i use often when yeah there. that works great what about waders so the tendency um if you come from the west like we do and i don't assume that everybody who's listening has fished in the west but um is to you know is there you you wear waders you know certainly during the springtime in the fall when it gets colder and there's some days even in the summer that you might use them we used them last summer uh fishing a creek north of bozeman because of rattlesnakes so we just said it's warm out but we're going to wear our um uh, our waders because of rattlesnakes and we didn't want to you know die out there so that's right um but in the driftless area you really don't need waders with the exception of the spring so there's a spring season in the driftless at least in wisconsin i think it starts the first weekend of march and runs through i think the last weekend of april and then there's a like a week gap and then the main season opens up it's lures and and flies only during that time um, obviously you're going to need waders at that point but uh, the other times of the year I just don't know that you need waders I agree I remember seeing a guy out there I think it was last year my son Luke and I were fly fishing in May and it was hot it was a hot day uh, pushing 80 and here were two fly fishers, and they both had big chest waders on and I thought those guys are going to fry in in those things yeah. you just don't need that there no you, you really don't and I mean I mean, you could even use tennis shoes, right? Yeah, yeah you could. It's not, it's not something like, you could do in 
right west, yeah you but, wouldn't do that in the madison or the, the yellowstone i mean you, you're taking your life in your hands but good night those little streams uh whatever you have and and a lot of times we like to wear nylon pants uh, which dry out pretty quick and, and we'll wear our wading boots or our sandals but uh, certainly not your, your big chest waders well, the final thing we want to talk about are fly patterns, and uh, coming again from the West, uh, we weren't sure what, you know, is this going to be a whole new uh, uh, game in terms of fly patterns, but a lot of the same things yeah, work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the nymphs, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of your, your basic nymph patterns, whether that's a beadhead prince or a pheasant tail or a copper john, things like that work great, uh, but I have to say, I, I love fishing dry flies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. On those little creeks. That's the fun. So blue wing olives work really well in all seasons, especially in the spring. And, and I like a, a parachute Adams for that. It works great. Uh, Hendrickson's. A lot of guys are using Hendrickson's. They work well in the spring. There are black caddis in the spring and then the tan caddis in the summer. Uh, terrestrials are great in the summer too. Hoppers, uh, uh, beetles, those sorts of things. Ants, although I haven't fished it much in the summer. Dave, any uh, any experiences you had with that? You know, I've had some luck in late summer. I fished it actually in September. Season closes September 30th in southeast Wisconsin and so the stream shut down so you're not fishing any of the the, the brown runs in, in, in October but um, I have caught some on terrestrials but man just not like we've done in the west yeah. and um, I'm still nymphing in September yep. so anyway it's uh, I've just found the fishing to be just a little bit different in, yeah. in the driftless it and, is. It's, it's, and it's pushed my skills to the edge to, to catch fish all right, that will do it for today. If you fish the Driftless and have any tips or insights, please tell us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What can you tell us about your experience on the Driftless? Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast via iTunes if you have an iPhone or Stitcher if you have a Droid. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Matthewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.